Hi there, and welcome to another interview. Today, I've got my guest, Rick, who I've discovered actually while I was doing a live stream and he put a brilliant comment on. And I am going to start with the question I ask absolutely every guest. Hey, Rick, why did you become Carnival? Basically, I did it as a dare. It was just something that I wanted to do just to prove a point. Right. You did it as a dare. But there's something interesting about your story, because how long ago was that dare? 1983. <laughs> 1983. Now, was carnivore around in 1983? Well, I think carnivore has been around since human beings have been around. But really what it was is that in 1983, and that was about a year before they had that famous Time magazine article that I remember seeing in the store that had the frowning bacon and eggs on it and saying how bad cholesterol was. But what it was to me was just a way of going against what everyone was telling me. My parents were quite health conscious, especially my dad. And they were saying that eating too much red meat was bad for you. Eggs were bad for you. And they even got rid of the butter and were using margarine. And of course, lard, that was the worst thing you could ever eat. So I just got to the point where I thought, you know, everything that people tell me seems to be wrong. I'm going to do it my own way. And I thought about it. It'd be kind of fun to just die of a heart attack and get it over with. How old were you in 1983? I was 15 years old. See, 15 is when we knew it all, isn't it? <laughs> when you get into your teenage years. Well, you see, that is really interesting. I know the image that you're talking about, and I will obviously in the edit of this video put that image up for people that don't know about the frowning bacon and eggs. Quite a classic image. So you were 15 and you felt this was the thing to do to go against the narrative. So what happened next? Well, I have to tell the whole story of how it happened. Um, and I've been wanting to make a video about it for a period of time, but my computer technology is primitive and I work a lot, so I don't have a lot of spare time. But it's a combination of things. I, was, I had been through elementary school and junior high, and it was not a pleasant experience. And I got picked on a lot. And my grades were poor. So one of the biggest complaints I had is that I was very skinny and very short. And it, to me, it just seemed like the worst fate in the world. Because when you go to school and even the girls are taller than you, it's it's really bad. And I would hate going to school. I, I never look forward to it. Of course, I never look forward to school from the first day I went in 1973. Because when my parents dropped me off at the elementary school, I thought that they were abandoning me. So it, it was not a pleasant experience, but there, there's a combination of things that happened. There were some TV shows that I watched, and one of them was called Sanford and Son, where every time that the old man uh, was getting upset, he would pretend like he's having a heart attack. And then there was the show, The Dukes of Hazard, where you had Boss Hogg, who was the big fat one who basically ran the whole county. And he used to do things like eat raw liver. And, you know, it's just a combination of things. So I thought, well, what are the worst possible things that I can do and what would possibly make me put on weight? So I figured, well, you got big fat boss hog that eats all this food. And then you have, you know, the, the other guy pretending to have a heart attack. So I thought, hey, it'd be kind of funny to just start eating as much of the bad food as possible. And either I'm going to grow bigger or I'm going to have a heart attack and it's all going to be over with. So that's quite an odd motivation, uh, but I get it. I understand it. Um, so you started to eat this way. Now, if you were 15, surely your parents had a bit of an input into what you were eating. Well, my parents, let's just say they were not 
amused. My father was always into whole foods, especially whole grains. They used to give me a lot of vitamins and supplements like brewer's yeast and bone meal and all these other tablets. Sometimes I had a little bottle that had a bunch of tablets in it that I would take. They did give me cod liver oil, which was one of the few things that I really liked. So that was one thing. And they did, when in an attempt to try to make me get healthier, they did feed me liver. But the problem was that the way they cooked the liver, I didn't find appealing at all. So, and they had ate a lot of bread. My dad was very much into these whole wheat breads and, and all this other stuff. So, yeah, they they were trying to to get me healthy but the problem was that a lot of the foods that were so-called healthy i found extremely unpleasant very bad tasting and just not something that i liked the other thing that was interesting is that they used to give me something you know they had these granola bars that they would include in my lunch which they thought were healthy at the time but i found them absolutely disgusting and one thing that separates me from most of the other kids I knew is that I never liked desserts. I don't like anything sweet, uh, except maybe the occasional fruit. And even the fruits I like tend to be more on the sour side than the sweet ones. And I don't like baked goods. I don't like breads, cakes, or any of those things. So it, it was a little bit different. But my parents did get kind of frustrated. And when I switched to you know more meat, more fat, and all that, they were convinced that I was basically um, crazy. But it shows um, that they're interested in health. I, I, actually, your story is very similar to mine. My my mum was very much into skim milk and whole grains and all that sort of stuff. Sadly, died of colon cancer. Didn't eat red meat, didn't eat fat. Um, I lost my dad as well, the same period of time. Um, so you've given us a little list of what you didn't like. So what was there a particular couple of meals that you really liked? Because I think when you're 15, you you end up with quite a minimal palate where you want to eat the same things. Well, that that's for sure. It's funny that you mentioned that your mother had colon cancer, because that's, I think, what took my mom out at the end. And she hated red meat. And yeah, so I know that familiar, um, that familiar story. What I liked the most was beef. When I was a kid, my parents, we didn't eat out much. But when we did, we went to a place called the Sweden House Smorgasbord. And it was a buffet-style restaurant. And they had, like, I remember, this this was more than 40 years ago. But I remember as a kid going there, they'd have the guy with the big white hat. And he'd cut this roast beef. And I, I loved it. Every time they would bring out this lump of beef and they put it there on the buffet, I'm a little kid. You know, I'm starting to think, oh, this is really, I, I love this. And I'd go there with my plate and hold it up. You know, I could barely see to the top of the buffet. And they put a few slices in there. And I'd come back and eat it and go back and get more. And my mother's like, well, you like that beef, don't you? You know, you're you're like a cat or something. I said, oh, yeah, I, I like the meat. Then they would tell me, well, you, you can't eat the meat until you've had your vegetables first. And they had these bowls that had salad in it. They had lettuce and, and some other things. And I would just take some of that and try to eat it. And then, oh, I, I didn't like it. And sometimes I'd stick it in my pocket or try to hide it or do something where my parents wouldn't see it. So that way I could go and hit the meat. But And then they had the Swedish meatballs, which were also beef. I used to love those. And the fried chicken, which I also liked. And the frog legs. But when, when it came to what do I want to eat, if it was steak or roast beef or even hamburger, I was that was my thing. And I loved it. We had a barbecue place down the street and you could smell the barbecue cooking. And it just it was I think it was called Dixie Ribs Barbecue. Now it. I love the smell of the barbecue. Every time people have barbecue on the weekend, I was hungry. 
So definitely beef was my favorite food. Which is a fantastic thing to hear. Did you did you pop into that list there, frog's legs? Did you? Yes, I love frog's legs. All right, excellent. So would you have that on a regular basis? Whenever we went to the Sweden house, they didn't have it all the time. It seemed to be a seasonal thing. Maybe every few weeks they'd have it, and I'd eat a bunch of it. Of course, I also like seafood, shrimp, fish. I mean, I love fried shrimp. In fact, when I lived in Key Largo, I used to get shrimp all the time, and I would fry that. I'd take pork rinds and eggs and make a batter out of it and then dip the shrimp in it and then fry it in tallow or lard. You know, I used to laugh. I'd tell everyone, oh, you know, I cook my food in lard and tallow and, you know, I'm going to give myself a heart attack. And they look at me like, oh, you're you're terrible. You should use canola oil. Nah, I'm not going to use canola crap. I'll pour that in my gas tank. Forget about cooking with it. But, uh, yeah, it's I love those foods. And like I said, besides the ruminant meats, I love seafood. And one thing that I'm pretty well known for is eating iguana. I love iguana. Well, that's fascinating. Um, So where was this knowledge coming from? Because you said about the canola oil, you realized that's not great. So where were you learning about the difference between seed oils and butter, for instance? Just the way it tastes. The thing is, with seed oils, I'm, I'm actually, I don't know how to describe it, but when I started getting on YouTube, it had nothing to do with diet. And if you look at the name of my channel, which is called Charger Mopar, that's, after, that's named after my cars. I had another channel on alternative energy. But when I was younger, I, I was probably, I think I was in high school, and I had some deep thought at one time. And I thought about, well, what are the different energy sources that we have? And, and, you know, I remember as a kid, my dad having to push the car because it ran out of gas on the way to the gas station. So energy had always been something that was fascinating to me. And that's why later on, I started playing around with wood gas to make energy out of scrap wood and waste material. But one of the fuel sources that I looked into was some type of waste fuel. And one of them, of course, was waste motor oil. But the other thing was waste vegetable oil which a lot of the restaurants and bakeries used. Now, I wasn't aware that vegetable oils were used to cook food until, like I said, sometime high school or college. I don't even remember the exact year. But when I looked into it, I started to find out where I could get used vegetable oil to refine into a fuel. And what I noticed is that when the oil was used, not only was it darker, but it had sort of a chemical smell to it. It was almost like paint the stuff would dry out and and it would harden and i would think about that when i see it and of course i cook with lard and tallow all the time but the lard and tallow is different when you cook in your kitchen with lard and tallow you don't get all of the the grease and the buildup now my kitchen i clean it like anyone else but i don't have that but a lot of times when i go and and you know, I have to work with this oil. I get this stuff all over me. It gets on everything and it hardens. When I put it in my fuel tank, it forms a layer inside because of the oxidation. And then sometimes it would clog up the engine, rust the injectors and so on. So when I started to look into this stuff, I thought to myself, wow, people are using this as a food. Not only are they cooking with it, but they're using it to make salad dressings and and to make, you know, um, product, all different products. They use it for mayonnaise. It's like, why would you eat this horrible stuff? And then that's when I started to think, this is probably not the way to go. Now, again, 
I still believe that it was probably heart healthier because it didn't have cholesterol in it. And at that point, I was still thinking cholesterol was to give you a heart attack. But, you know, I don't know. I didn't put the pieces together. In fact, it's only been recently that I've really seen the danger of these seed oils. Yeah, and I think you're, you're way ahead of your time talking about the seed oils, which is really good. Um and I, I absolutely agree with when you talk about cleaning up, because I find cleaning up in the kitchen much easier with tallow and with lard. And even the big corporations like McDonald's used to use um, tallow. And I think in the 80s, when they switched to vegetable oil, they then had to start employing industrial cleaners to clean up their kitchens because it is such a difficult operation to clean up after the vegetable oils, whereas it wasn't before when they had tallow. I don't know if you knew that. Anyway, I'm sure you did because it, you seem very interested in everything at the moment. So you were 15 and you were going against the tide. So could we go a few years in? How did this develop, this um, way of eating? Well, I'll tell you that how it really started. Once I came to this conclusion, there was a couple of things that happened to me that kind of pushed me over the edge. I mean, first of all, I had finished junior high and that summer I was just I was in I was not looking forward to high school because, you know, I figured, well, I've been picked on so many times here. I'm going to go to high school. And now not only do you have kids that are bigger than you, but they're also more mature. They're practically adults. And I look like somebody from elementary school. And I thought, boy, I don't want to go to school. So I thought maybe I could get sick or something and not have to go to school. Well, it kind of worked out that way because my mom was she was actually I think she was in. She was over at the university getting some courses for her teaching certificate. She was a, a school teacher for most of her life. And then my dad was working as a mechanic. So they weren't home much over the summer. So that summer, um, I was pretty much by myself. But on the weekend, my dad was trying to build a carport on the side of the house. Well, that one weekend, I remember I was trying to help him to build the carport. And somehow one of the boards was loose and I fell through. And I landed on a sawhorse and I fractured my arm. I didn't break it all the way through, but it, it was, I had to hold it in a sling. So I couldn't really do anything. And then with my parents not being there, there weren't that many food options available. And I didn't know how to cook either. So I started to think about it. I had this idea and, and everything just kind of came together. I was, I was watching a TV show. I don't remember which one it was. Honestly, I think it might have been Doris Day or one of those shows they had reruns because I also would watch cartoons because I love cartoons, you know, Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry and all that. But and I saw them using lard to cook with. They had I think it was chicken in there or something like that. And they were putting lard in the pan and they're cooking it up. I thought, oh, that's an idea. And we had some lard. It's just one of those things that had been forgotten was stuck in the refrigerator. I remember seeing it. You know, my, my mom's like, well, you're going to have to cook for yourself. Okay, well, how hard can it be? And they tried to show me how to cook, you know, spaghetti and all that. But I tried that and it just, <laughs> let's just put it this way. I ended up burning it and I threw it outside of the ducks. And then I finally said, that's it. I'm done, done with this. I'm just going to cook some of this meat. And that was really easy because one of the easiest things in the world to cook is meat. You just turn on the heat, throw it in the pan, and then push it around a little bit, flip it over. And when it smells good, it's ready to eat. And that's what I started doing. I started cooking for myself. Now, my parents normally didn't buy that much meat, but meat was pretty cheap back then if you knew where to go. I remember they went to the Grand Union, I think, the Winn-Dixie, a couple other places. So my mom said, okay, we'll just buy you some meat. 
And then, cause you know, you're going to be stuck by yourself for a few weeks until you get better. And that's what they did. And I started cooking meat and I really started to like it. Now, at first I was still making hamburgers with the bread, but then the other thing is I was like, well, we don't have much bread. And then they would run out. So I thought, ah, when I made my first hamburgers, we still had some bread and my parents were very health conscious. So they ate this whole wheat bread. But if you've ever tried to make a hamburger with whole wheat bread, it falls apart and it's not very tasty. I always hated that stuff anyway. So I thought to myself, why not just have two hamburger patties with no bread? That seemed like the way to go. And that's what I did. And I, what I would do, I would take a piece of a tomato and put it between two hamburgers and eat it like that and put some cheese on top and that's it. But then eventually it was like, well, you know, why do I even need the tomato? Because we ran out of those. I just started eating the meat with a little cheese and that's it. So that's what I did. It just turned into, you know, eat the meat and nothing else. So this this is fascinating for me because um, I can remember doing something very similar because my mother had granary bread. That's what we called it, you know, with all the, the grains in and all that sort of stuff. And I saw a Eddie Murphy um, stand up where the boy wanted a McDonald's, but the mum made it at home, made him a McDonald's and actually put bread and cut it into a circle, made made the bun out of bread. And I actually tried that at home and exactly the same thing happened. I, I It just fell apart. That's interesting. Um, right. So we've so we got past high school. So then, then what happened when you sort of entered into adult life? How did this diet then progress? Well, what happened, you know, once I've gotten used to it, it just became a way of life. And one of the first things I did after high school, before I went to college, I had a job. My first job was actually working at a plant nursery where they did landscaping. And I remember at lunchtime, I'd usually go home to eat lunch. But then I thought, well, sometimes we're working far away and it's a long way to the house. So what I started doing, I started making a beef stew, putting it in a container and keeping it in a cooler and then putting it on the engine to cook it up. So I started to learn how to use the engine to heat up food. So it became pretty much, I would eat at home. I have lunch either at home or on the road. And I just kept eating the same way over and over and over again. It just was so simple. There was nothing to it. It was inexpensive and it was quick. It wasn't like, oh, what do I have to eat? What I'm thinking about, what do I need to eat? No, it's just, okay, it's time to eat. It's like putting fuel in a piece of equipment. You put it in and you keep going. So it just naturally went on. I didn't even think about it. And was there sort of outside influences? One of the biggest things I think is is wrong in the world is we're saturated with this misinformation about all these different things to eat where you're not tempted to um, go and eat plant stuff and more plaster and rice, boil in the bag rice and all these sort of things. Did it not tempt you at all? Uh, no. See, I'm I'm not tempted by any of that stuff. All that stuff that's made from seeds and roots and all that, I call it duck food. And I love, I am a duck fanatic. I love ducks. Everywhere I live, I always have a bunch of ducks around me. So whenever there's something I don't like, I say, oh, that's duck food. You know, I said, the meat is for me. Everything else is duck food. So there's no temptation. It's like if you go out to eat, you may have uh, clients or people that you know that take you out to eat. Well, I'll usually go there and I'll have a steak or a piece of meat. Oh, you want to try this, whatever? This, I'm like, nah, that's duck food. I don't want that garbage. You know, it's like one time I got dragged to a place called Olive Garden. And I said, there's nothing here that's edible. What's the point? 
oh, you're a caveman. You just want to eat a big piece of meat. And yeah, that, that's what I want. I want to go somewhere I can have a nice big piece of meat. I don't want to eat a bunch of duck food, a bunch of seeds and, and roots and whatever else this stuff is. Did you... So you mentioned clients and your social circle, which is very interesting. And and I love the fact you were confident enough to say there's nothing edible here. It is duck food. Did you never feel the pressure was an, as such a, a, an amount that you had to give in? Did you, or, you're quite an unusual person in being able to, to stick to your guns. Is that is that your personality that once you've decided something, you find it pretty straight to just tell people how you feel? Pretty much. You know, once I got to that point, and it really happened after 1983, before that, I would try my best to try to do what other people wanted me to. And I thought that if I just did what they told me, that everything would go well. But it always turned out that I was the one that got picked last. I was the one that got made fun of. I was the one that everybody was making a joke out of. So I thought to myself, you know what, if I'm not going to be accepted by anybody, who cares? I'm going to do whatever I want. And that's it. And I think, you know, it's fortuitous, isn't it? Because if you look back at that period of time, that's the sort of tipping point where everyone started to get obese and diabetes and, and struggle because they weren't eating meat and they weren't eating saturated fat and they were avoiding butter and they were eating margarine and all those sort of things. So by good fortune and your own um, stoic attitude, I think you've ended up eating the right way. So is it what wins the next landmark or in your timeline, what would you say is the next sort of thing to talk about? Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. Well, the next thing that I remember that was a big influence in my life was Hurricane Andrew. Hurricane Andrew came through in 1992, and it basically turned this place upside down. So a lot of the things that people had been trusting in were gone. And it was actually a, a reassurance to me because I had moved out of my parents' house about a couple of years before, and I was living with them after the hurricane to try to clean up. And I had set up a generator and it was running originally on gasoline. Eventually, I had it running on wood. And of course, after a hurricane, there's plenty of fuel for that generator. And we had two refrigerators and a big freezer. So there was a lot of room for food. The thing was, we didn't have a whole lot because my parents were not really big eaters like me. But a lot of the neighbors, they had freezers full of goodies. They had steak and they had seafood and they had lamb and all these delicious meats. Some of the best cuts of meat I've ever had in my life. You know, the ribeye steaks, the filet mignon, all the good stuff. And it was all going to go bad. And on top of that, some of the grocery stores, the power was off. They were throwing this stuff away. So I went around and I grabbed as much of it as I could. I got so much meat. I filled both freezers and the refrigerators. I filled the big chest freezer to the top. It was so tight. I had to use duct tape to hold it closed because otherwise it wouldn't shut. And I was running this generator 
and the generator ran everything. So it was like, when you think about it, I don't know how much meat was in there, but there had to be a few hundred pounds of meat stuffed in there. And we had some things in the refrigerator. We had some fruits and vegetables, but I came to the conclusion that we got a lot of meat. I'm going to eat as much meat as I can before it goes bad. And then that way, you know, we could survive on that. Of course, my parents ate some of the meat. My mom, she hated it. Oh, I can't eat all this meat. So, but we did get after a while, some other foods, there were some vegetables that were distributed and there were some canned foods and whatever. But for me, it was just meat and I ate nothing but meat, no eggs, just meat, 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 meat from hurricane Andrew all the way to the end of the year. And the amazing thing to me is that I hadn't touched anything other than meat. I felt just fine. And I was one of the few people that didn't get sick after the storm and I had more strength than ever. So I thought, wow, this is amazing. This is what I'm going to do. I'm not even going to waste my time with anything else. I'm just going to eat completely meat. You know, even though before I was on a carnivore diet, I would still eat the occasional fruits, you know, as, oh, you need the vitamin C, whatever. So I went totally animal-based, meat, and that's it. Well, towards the end of the year, I had several people that I knew that were convinced that I was going to die because of all the meat and fat that I'm eating. It's going to kill you. You need to change. And then they were they were trying to scare me. But then the other thing was they said, well, if you don't eat meat, you're going to be impotent and you won't be able to have any kids. I thought, well, OK, well, that kind of makes sense because I have no interest in mating. So maybe the meat is what did it to me. Maybe eating all that meat made me impotent and I was going to end up you know, with prostate cancer or something like that. So I thought about it and I thought, you know what? I'm sick and tired of listening to this nonsense. What I'm going to do, I'm going to take another dare, and I'm going to go totally vegetarian. Now, I didn't start off vegan at first. I went vegetarian, which meant I ate eggs and some fish in the beginning. But everything else, no red meat, no ruminant meat whatsoever, just vegetables, fruits, and then the eggs and some seafood. That's how it started. Of course, it went more vegetable-based after that. To prove a point, but it didn't go well. Well, what happened? It didn't go well. In the beginning, I actually felt really good. In fact, I I was sleeping longer than ever. I, normally, I can only get six, seven hours of sleep if I really um, need it. But I was getting eight hours of sleep. And I was getting up in the morning feeling really good for at least, I would say, until about April. That's when things started to fall apart. Um, I started getting migraine headaches. Then I had no energy. And then it became hard to go to sleep. When I would go to sleep, I would wake up and then I would get like a burning sensation in my mouth. My stomach would hurt. And then I had gas. It was just, it wasn't good. So then a friend of mine had said, and, and his girlfriend, which became wife, well, you need to go completely vegetable base and you need to drink fruit juices and vegetable juices that will give you the nutrition you need and then your body will adjust and you'll feel better i thought okay no eggs you know no seafood just fruits and vegetables and drink all these crappy juices that taste basically like compost but hey what are you going to do they say well you have to add more fruit to it put apples in it now i hate apples Every time I try to eat an apple, I try to I almost vomit. There's, there's certain fruits I cannot eat. Apples are one of them. Avocados are another. Avocados, just the smell and the texture, it's like eating out of a garbage can. They are oh, horrible. 
So I tried to make those juices and then came the diarrhea and it was nonstop. And let me tell you, I have never before or since experienced that miserable feeling. First thing you do when you get up in the morning, as soon as you start moving around, you got to go to the bathroom. And then you go in there and you go to the bathroom. After lunch, another trip to the bathroom. And it's not like now, normally, like, let's say I ate breakfast. I could go to the bathroom anytime. I could go at lunchtime or I could wait three hours. It doesn't bother me. <clears throat> but at that time, it was bad. It was like a pressure would build up. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen that Cheech and Chong movie where he's trying to go to the bathroom and he's like holding himself and he's trying to avoid an accident. That's exactly what it was. And it was it was I'll just say I don't want to ever go through that again. That feeling was terrible. But still, I continued with the diet because I was convinced that eventually things would get better. But they didn't get better. I mean, if I had a solid, you know, number two, that was a rarity. I'd say 90 percent of the time it was it was urgent. And it really wasn't until I got a really bad flu that I finally said, enough, I can't do this anymore. And I gave up. And what did your friends think? Because they they pressured you into doing it, and it obviously had failed miserably. They thought that I was making it up. They said, oh, you're only doing that because you just want to go and have a steak and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to continue with this healthy vegetarian diet. Like, okay, well, it may be healthy for you, but it's not for me. I can't do it anymore. And the one friend I had who was vegetarian, he was in good shape. You know, he, he'd go to the gym. He looked good. I was skinny like I am now. And they'd laugh at me. Oh, you know, you know, you're eating meat and you look like that. But of course he's no longer vegetarian. What, what happened to him Basically, his digestive system went down the drain. He got um, Crohn's, I think it is Crohn's disease, mm -hmm. I think is what they told me. And it's just bleeding. I mean, I heard the story of it because I hadn't seen him for years. And then all of a sudden I see him. He looks like a totally different person. What happened to you? And he tells me this sad story I'm like, wow. But then he had mentioned to me, he says, you know, Rick, you look almost the same. Really? Okay. So, you know. After all those years, it makes you feel better. It's like, well, I guess I didn't do the wrong thing after all. Yes. I mean, you're, um, you're very magnanimous there because, uh, you know, I think if I'd been pressured into vegetarianism and had all your problems, migraines, no energy, no sleep, waking up with a burning sensation in your mouth, gas, diarrhea, or getting the flu, I think I might have been a bit stronger with my opinion, you know. But anyway, um, I think that's pretty good. So now you've got to about 25 and you've tried the vegetarian thing. All your friends have, you know, well-meaning tried to get you to eat in a way that they believe is healthy and you've tried it and it, you've proved them wrong, even though they don't believe you. So what happened next? Well, I had gotten so sick with the flu. My parents both got the flu. Actually, if I remember correctly, I think one of them got it first. I think my dad got it first, then my mom, then me. And I was out of commission. I had never been, I couldn't eat anything. I'd throw up and just the thought of food made me feel sick. And I was, I couldn't go anywhere. I mean, I'd walk around, everything would be, the room would be spinning. I'd feel dizzy. You know, it was, a, it was probably the worst experience I've ever had. But after about five days or whatever of being totally miserable, we had run out of food because no one was able to go to the store. One morning I got up and I, I thought, you know, I'm standing up. The room isn't moving anymore. I don't have any energy, but I can, I can walk around. I go to the kitchen. I look in there. I'm thinking, 
there's a few veggies in there and there's, there's some canned stuff. I go, Ugh, I don't want to eat this. Then I start getting this idea. You know what? I would love to have bacon and eggs. Some, that would be good. We don't have any bacon, but at least maybe we can get some eggs. And I looked in there and there were no eggs. So I thought, man, I got to get some eggs somewhere, but I couldn't go to the store. I wasn't going to drive down there feeling like that. I walked out the front door. I walked off to the side and I saw a duck running around the yard. And I go, wait a minute. This is this is that time of the year. You know, it's summertime. They might be laying eggs. And I looked under the lounge chair and I saw a nest with eggs in it. I go, ah, finally. And I, I got those eggs. I think it was three or four. I don't remember exactly. And I had some butter in the freezer and I cooked them up and I ate those eggs. And probably two hours later, I got up again and I walked outside and everything seemed good. I go, Okay, I feel a lot better. Later on that day, I got in my car. I drove to Winn-Dixie, and I got some marked-down meat. I think it was like 79 cents a pound. It was really cheap, and I cooked up some thin steaks, and I had also bought dozens of eggs, and you know, I, I was like, oh, and I started eating again. And my mother was looking at me, how can you eat that, you know, all that meat? I said, I, I don't know. That's, that's what I want to eat. And from that moment on, I just I couldn't go back to the vegetarian diet. There's just no way... I will never do that again. Yeah, and I think that's that's obvious, isn't it? If it's made you feel that that bad, so let's let's move into the two thousands. You're still eating this way. Um, was there what was the next big landmark when you think about the way you're eating? Because still at this point, we're not really talking about anyone saying the carnivore diet or. Uh, I, but I do think Atkins was sort of looming in the background. Yes, I remember that the Atkins diet was mentioned at times. But it seemed different to me because the Atkins diet was not really a carnivore diet from what I could see. It seemed to be more of a low-carbohydrate diet, which I had never really thought about. But I did, I did know someone. Now, when I had my business, I had one employee that he struggled with weight all the time. And I remember he had tried the Atkins diet. And he saw the way that I eat. You know, I'd go out to my truck and I'd put a steak on the engine. And they'd look at me like, this, you know, this guy's a, a nut. You know, who in the world cooks on their engine? And also, my truck had a wood gas generator on it. And one of the radiators that cools the gas, you could use that for roasting meat. So, you know, I'd start my truck up, and then it smelled like a barbecue because, I mean, first of all, it was running on wood. And second of all, it smells like meat. And he always looked at me and says, you know, I don't understand it. I was, And I like to eat outside a lot of times because I don't like offices. It's the modern offices I hate. You know, the older ones I don't mind, like those... 1950s offices with the big windows that run down the side. We had a lot of places here that had no air conditioning. When I went to school, there was no air conditioning. So I don't mind that, but I like eating outside because when you're inside all day doing IT, especially in a server room, you know, you have that air conditioning, you have that, those fans going, it's just like a constant, you know, and that fluorescent light. And it's just, they make these spaces as ugly as possible. You know, I like to be in a place that has a lot of different things. If you look around my home, there's books everywhere. There's all kinds of old items. I mean, I deliberately use old things because I like a variety. But when I would go to eat, I'd go outside, I'd eat my steak. So I'm out there at my truck with a two-pound steak, chewing on this thing, no knife, no fork, and nothing. And he's looking at me, he says, I don't know how you stay so skinny. You eat all that meat and all that fat. But then he was the one that went on the Atkins diet. He says, oh, I'm losing weight on the Atkins diet. Well, that's good. But then he gained the weight back because for some reason, the Atkins diet was not long-term sustainable. 
at least what he was telling me. And I said, well, I've eaten meat for years. You know, I ate meat for 10 years straight and now I'm eating it again. It's perfectly sustainable for me. But for him, it wasn't. I think a lot of it was that his wife used to love to bake. And I guess they had all those breads and baked goods and whatever. And they love pasta because I think their family was part Italian. So, you know, but that was the only thing, the only person I know that ever tried the Atkins diet. The other thing I knew about the Atkins diet is they used to sell frozen foods in the grocery store. And I would see that with Atkins name on it. And I look at that, and I go, Atkins lasagna, that, that doesn't make sense. You know, I always thought of lasagna as duck food. So I figured Atkins would probably be like, you know, maybe broccoli and beef or something like that. But no, it, I don't know. It was just a strange diet in my opinion. So when did it dawn on you that you were a carnivore and that was a way of eating? My mother used to call me a carnivore when I was little, but you know, cause we had cats and cats are carnivores. She says, you're carnivorous. All you want to do is eat meat. Okay. But I think the first time that I ever realized that I was a carnivore was 2021 um, or 2020. I'm not sure. It was somewhere in that range because when the pandemic hit in 2020, I remember it was like March. And then everything started shutting down. They didn't want you to leave the house. People were wearing masks. You couldn't go here. You couldn't go there. You had to line up to go to the grocery store. And I was kind of stuck at the house. So if I wanted to do any work, I had to do it online. And, you know, you do work online. I don't like sitting in front of the computer, but I started to look on the computer and I started looking at different things. And then I don't remember what it was, but somehow I was on YouTube. I was looking up something and I saw, um, what was his name? Um, Saladino. All so right. it says carnivore MD. So you got this guy without a shirt, nice physique, running around acting silly and he's eating meat. And I'm thinking to myself, carnivore diet. Well, that's that's kind of interesting. And then the next one I found was Sean Baker. So this is a guy that's almost as tall as me. He's built like, you know, he's crazy huge. And he's talking about eating just steak. I'm thinking, no, well, I do that too. And then I just started looking around. Then I, I think the next one, um, and I don't know, it might have been Anthony Chafee or whatever. Well, he was the first one that actually responded to me because I tried writing these people. And I think uh, was the Barry, Ken Barry is another one I found. I start finding all these carnivore people because you know how YouTube is. Once you like a video on one subject, then they start recommending other videos on the same subject. So I started watching these more and more. And by 2021, I was watching them on a regular basis. So, but that was the first time I was aware that there is actually a carnivore diet, even though I've been eating this way most of my life. And do you feel um, fit and healthy? Have you had uh, almost a decade of eating meat? I know you had the vegetarian odyssey for a bit. Uh, how, how would you assess your life as a carnivore when it comes to your health? Well, compared to everybody else my age, I am the least unhealthy. Let's put it that way. Now, I don't know. I may die tomorrow. I could drop dead of a heart attack. I haven't been to a doctor since 1986. My teeth could fall out. I haven't been to a dentist since 1986. So I don't know. I may be extremely unhealthy. But let me put it to you this way. I do a lot of physical work. And a lot of times I'll have to move things back and forth. I got to walk back and forth, whatever. I've had to push my car or truck when it breaks down. And I can do things without getting tired, where a lot of people I know that try to do the same thing, they can't do it. In fact, I know people that can't even talk on the phone and walk at the same time without breathing hard. Me, I can talk and I can do things. I don't have a problem. 
my blood pressure is lower than anybody else I know. It's usually about 90 over 60, which was another reason they told me that I was going to have a stroke because my blood pressure was too low. This is what I was told back in the 90s when I used to go to the doctor. So, and then I don't, it might be genetic, but I have a full head of hair. I don't color it and there's no gray hair and it hasn't fallen out. So, you know, I don't wear glasses. I can see just fine. I'm basically like I was when I was 25. So I don't know what my health really is, but I feel good. Well, I think, I think you summed it up there because, you know, full head of hair, you're not needing to diet, you're not needing glasses, you're not getting out of breath. That to me is health. Uh, I'm not going to the doctor since, you know, uh, three decades ago. <laughs> That's sort of an indicator that you're, you're pretty healthy. I think um, I might have misheard you. Did you say that you're nearly as tall as Sean Baker or – He's nearly as tall I'm actually up six foot six. I am six foot six. Right. Okay. Now, um, I'm going to go back. As you know from before we started the interview, I don't take any notes. So six foot six. But from the beginning story, it sounded like you were picked on a lot of school. But it, And I just assumed you'd be a, quite a small person. Um, were you small at school then? I was the shortest. I was the second shortest kid in junior high. There was only one kid that was shorter than me, and he's basically a midget. So, yeah, I was the shortest. It was it was bad. Do you feel then that the meat diet maybe uh, a little, yeah, you could attribute to the fact that you've ended up six foot six? I mean, were your parents particularly tall? My parents were not particularly tall. My dad was five foot ten. I think my mom was five foot seven. They were not particularly tall and no one in my family has ever been this tall on either side. Yeah. I think it's, I think that's interesting because I seem to remember an experiment in the eighties in a documentary on the BBC. Um, I don't watch the BBC anymore and don't believe them, but in the eighties, I think they did an experiment or followed a family where they fed their children just protein and, and they ended up really very tall and very strong. So you, you might be um, showing that because you're still growing, aren't you? At 15 and 16, you haven't finished. Your, your bones still grow until I think about 25. But anyway, that's brilliant. That's that's really amazing. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Because I'm trying to do the uh, the, the questions on on the fly, so to speak. Is there anything that I've missed? Well, no, that's pretty much the whole story. The thing is, as you mentioned, you know, I didn't say much about it, but I did grow a lot taller. And I think that's another reason why by the time that I finished high school, I went from having basically C's to having a straight A average because no one was picking on me anymore. And I think my mind was just working so much better. My anxiety about going to school completely disappeared and I no longer felt like I was helpless. So the diet, and I think I used to be more shy when I was younger, but as I got older, I got, you know, when I was younger, I would get afraid to get in front of a class or whatever. I actually took drama class as a way to avoid physical education, and I'd get up in front of everybody, and it didn't embarrass me anymore. So I think the diet had many long-ranging effects, and I think it was more than just the physical effects. I think there's also mental effects that went with it. So if someone's on the on the fence about carnivore, uh, you are definitely proof that it's sustainable. But if anyone was on the fence about carnival, would you give them some advice as to why it's worth trying? Well, think about it. I tried a vegetarian diet and I was eating carnivore for about 10 years at the time. What do you have to lose? I mean, obviously, if your religion or other beliefs won't let you do it, you don't have a choice. But if you're open minded to try it, 
you have nothing to lose, really. You know, you may discover that some of the issues that you've had to deal with for most of your life will go away. Or you may not like it, but it's not going to do any permanent damage. Why not try it for a few months? Why not try it for a year? If you don't like the diet, you can always switch back to eating the duck food. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Your support means the absolute world to me. And if you're enjoying the show, I've got a small favor to ask you. I'd be incredibly grateful if you would consider becoming a supporter and make a small monthly donation. Your contribution will really help to improve the show. I'll be able to improve the software, maybe put a few more episodes out and do many things that I'm hoping to do in the future. Do them a lot quicker. So it's a small monthly contribution. You can cancel at any time and the link is in the show notes. Thanks very much for listening.